This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. So how many comic book universes have you created? Me, uh, I'm going to be a big fat zero on that, but today's guest has, and he's going to tell us all about what it is like to dream up characters in a world from scratch and turn it into a successful franchise, and also what it's like writing for some of the most iconic characters in comic book history. Welcome, writer and co-creator behind the massively popular Radiant Black superhero universe, Kyle Higgins. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm better after that intro. That was killer. Oh my gosh. Do I, do I send you, do I tip your Patreon now or can yeah, we do it after? Whenever, the... whenever you want. Uh, got yeah. it. Got it. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is no, uh, absolutely. This is... We, before uh, we started, uh, before I started, um, we were talking about how painful zooms can be. So I appreciate <laughs> you uh, bearing with what, hopefully your last one of the day. I don't know. Uh, no, I think I have, I think I've, I think I have two more. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's a great problem to have. I'm I'm not complaining in that regard. Right. Other than I am just perpetually exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, why don't we why don't we take a step back uh, sure. for the good people listening? How did you start off on this career path? There's not not a lot of people can say they do for a living what you do. <laughs> yeah, um, it's some of it has been by design and just as much of it has been accidental. Um, but what really started it was just, honestly, I have loved superheroes and comic books and movies my whole life. And the kind of Venn diagram where those crossed over, um, you know, I was born in 1985. So from a live action superhero uh, material standpoint, we really didn't have a whole ton. Um, Burton's yeah. Batman had just come out when I was like right. four. My parents wouldn't let me see it. The VHS tape, I remember like it was at home one time because my dad had rented it to see if it, I could watch it. Yeah. And I was like waiting on, you know, bated breath. Like, Can I see this movie? Can I see this movie? Uh, no, nah, it's too dark, too dark. Um, yeah. <laughs> but w- those, those kind of cross sections of things like Batman, the animated series, the Burton Batman film, when I did eventually see it, the first Ninja Turtles movie. And the big one is uh, Richard Donner's Superman, which I have this gorgeous poster hanging next to me here that um, is signed by Dick. Oh, wow. So um, all I've ever wanted to do since I was uh, seven years old is uh, make movies. Well, hold on. There's a caveat. I told my dad one time, I think I know what I want to do when I grow up. I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan as well. I was like, I either want to be a lawyer or I want to paint all the end zones in Soldier Field like regularly, you know, <laughs> and he nodded, okay. <laughs> he nodded and he said, be a lawyer, <laughs> but, uh, uh, sorry, dad, that did not work out. Yeah. Um, it didn't work out. <laughs> essentially, essentially I decided in, in high school, I, I was very, very serious about filmmaking. Um, I never wanted to make comic books, but I did dabble in them for a little brief period. 
Um, and there were these kind of two big factors. There was um, uh, a company called Moonstone Books that is based uh, in Illinois, and Joe Gentile, who runs Moonstone uh, and also Amazing Fantasy, was I met him when I was a teenager, like just going to the comic book store. And they mm-hmm. had this book that was coming out called The Silencers that Fred Van Lantine and Steve Ellis uh, did. And um, Joe was the publisher on it. And there was like a big write-up in Wizard Magazine. And I remember looking at this and he walked me through like the process of putting this book together. And it was the first time I'd seen that. And I'm a huge yeah. process junkie as well. Okay. And so um, just seeing that what was possible um, and that you could do it in Illinois was right. very, very invigorating for me. Oh, that's so cool. I actually cut, I was like 17 years old and um, my first professional job, I animated <clears throat> big trailers for their books, including the silencers. And that really, that really changed things for me. I went to the University of Iowa and I was looking to kind of double major, uh, as you do. Growing up in the Midwest, it's great to have a dream, but you better have a backup plan, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> so sure, I'll double major in computer science and cinema and comparative literature. Yeah, that just nothing that could go wrong there. <laughs> and very early on, I realized mm, this wasn't going to be the right film school program for me. And I really don't want to do this computer science stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I became really focused on getting out to California and to find the right film school out in Southern California. I wanted to go to USC. USC thought differently. Yeah. Uh, I ultimately landed at Chapman in Orange County, which was probably the best thing I ever could have done. Mm. Because when it came time to build out what I wanted to do for my thesis film, I wanted to take a really big swing. And so I decided, you know what? I want to, for my big swing here, my big calling card, I want to go back to the material that inspired me to make movies in the first place. And that's superheroes. And so we built out this big uh, short called The League. Um, It's like 27 minutes long. It's about a superhero labor union in 1960 Chicago. We shot entirely on 16 millimeter film. Mm. So I put the short online on Vimeo. We had a really, really nice website that we designed and built out. And um, one of my friends, well, now friends, but at the time we didn't really know each other. Uh, his name is Eric White, and he is a brilliant illustrator and cartoonist. Well, when the when the short when we finished it and put it online, Eric did one of the coolest, kindest things that anyone has ever done for me, and um, or for anyone I know. And I feel like I have been trying to perpetually pay that forward ever since. What he did was he got me a badge to go to San Diego Comic Con. He really liked how the short turned out. And he goes, do you have an agent? I was like, dude, I'm 23. I graduated like a week ago. No, (laughs) I don't have an agent. (laughs) And he's like, come down to San Diego with me, bring copies of the movie on DVD. And it wasn't even finished yet. He goes, I want to introduce you to some people and hand out. He walked, we walked around that convention and every single person that he thought might make sense, he introduced me to, and he's like, tell them about your, their short. And, and then after that, when we put the movie online, he sent out an email to 200 people, everyone he knew in film, TV, comics. He had a pilot deal at Warner's at the time, I think, as well. And he just said, here's the short film that this filmmaker made. Um, and if you like it, here's his contact you know, info. I did the designs for it, et cetera. And one of the first people that emailed me was Joe Casada. Wow. So Joe Casada at that time was the publisher, or sorry, the editor-in-chief at Marvel. Yeah. And he wrote me and said how much he enjoyed the short. And that my love of superheroes showed up in every frame. And if there's ever anything you could do for me to let them know, oh yeah, by the way, I sent this over to Marvel West Coast. 
And I wrote back and I said, well, I, I'm flattered and, and um, humbled. I, I'm a really big fan of your work. And, and I was. Um, and I said, if you're ever looking for any new writers, please let me know. And yeah. I figured like, well, there's a window cracked open here. I might as well yeah. explore it if I can get it open a little more. And so ultimately, I pitched to Marvel for about a year, about like 15 to 20 stories, kind of like fully broken, like one shot ideas before landing uh, an issue of Captain America, a, a World War II story that um, my best friend, Alex Siegel, who uh, wrote The League with me and co-created it and everything, uh, we wrote it together. And that started the comics career. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, DC is offering you Batman. And I don't know about you, but... I don't know anybody who's ever said no to Batman. So, <laughs> and as we were saying before we started taping, the the new Batman, uh, pretty awesome and uh, something extra awesome uh, in the credits. I I have a so I have a special thanks credit on the movie, wow. and they adapted a, a number of things that I I created, and that's huh. the first time I've experienced that. Wow, um, and it was. It was it was pretty cool. I have yeah. to admit, it was, um, <laughs> that, it was pretty that cool. Is, so wow, that's 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 quite a, a journey you went on, and there, there's so many lessons in there that I think are just incredible. One being uh, quickly realizing the the backup plan is not going to be your backup plan. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of you know talking to a lot of different people in all kinds of different fields. So many people say, you know, once you set yourself up with a backup plan, you're you're setting yourself up to not do the the thing that you're actually trying to do. So I think that was amazing that you did that. And the way you well, were I able, to, real quick, I have to give like massive, you know, like thank you to my parents, like just to not call me crazy, you know, mm-hmm. like that. You think about that, like at 17 years old, 18 years old, you know, we we make life choices in our, the way our society is set up based on, you know, the expectation of college, going to college and graduating and, and what do you, what do you, what are you supposed to do then? Right. Like you, you get a, you somehow you, you, you start a family and you get a house and you make a mortgage payment for 40 years and you have the same right. job. And so imagine in 2001, 2002 going, growing up in Illinois, going, I want to make movies. I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. And my parents could not have been more supportive. That's awesome. Uh, that that's great. Um, you know, and the, and the other thing that I, I of, of all the cool things you, you, uh, outline there is, you know, you get, you get outreach from, a, a incredible notable person and you, uh, you, you took that opportunity. As you said, you saw that door crack, you know, some people might go, Oh, well, thanks. And then just hang back and wait for them to then offer something, you know, you, you kind of asked for something and, um, you know, you, well, you seize that opportunity. There there's, there's another person I want to actually mention in that regard, because I do think what, what you're saying there is, is incredibly important. And, um, it's funny, I, there, probably from a recency bias standpoint, the reason I, I, I bring up the silencers project is that, um, Fred actually read the, the Fred Van Lenti, the writer, and co-creator, he reached out to me uh, like a month ago, asking if I would write a foreword for their, um, you know, their big hardcover reprint of the Silencers. And you know, this is twenty years ago that started, it came out. Um, and like, that's an easy, that's an easy yes. Are you kidding? Um, but what was cool was basically kind of going back and looking at what that era was like for me, and and really how formative it was 
to be willing to, from a confidence standpoint, yeah, or or maybe delusional boost standpoint. I mean, depending <laughs> on which, you know, that's a real fine line. But something I something I wrote in the foreword was about. Um, I very look as as creators, we are very much a product of our influences, um, and I think that the best influences somehow manage to be both products of their time as well as timeless. And I think opportunity and causality are also products of their time. So if you can recognize that, um, I do think, you know, what's the old saying about like opportunity is luck meets, what, what is that? You know, preparation, preparation meets luck. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there, there was a, there was a gentleman named uh, Derek Hoffman. who's a, a good friend of mine now. He was one of the, my kind of, you know, bosses at the Donner's company when I was interning there for um, Richard and Lauren Schuler Donner. And um, Derek is a producer and he was, I think at the time he was, he was still Dick's assistant, but we were talking about this and, and he kind of set, he kind of like laid it out for me. He's like, you have an opportunity here right now. And I was starting to get a lot of meetings because of the short film as well. And on the Marvel side, I was trying to figure out like, do I explore this? Do I, how do I do, how do I build this out? And I remember one night he, he, he laid it out for me. He's like, you have a moment right now and there's a window and you don't want to let that window close. Mm. So like seize that, like yeah. really go for it. And I remember I was like laying in bed that night and, and I, and I was like, I was like terrified. And, um, and so I got up and I was like, I am not going to, I am not going to let this go. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think, you know, there's, there's something to that in yeah. some ways. Um, yeah. you, you've created your own universe as we, as we started talking, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, writing for these, you know, I, beyond iconic characters, sure. um, you know, putting words in Batman's mouth and Captain America's mouth. Like, how do you, how do you approach that? How do you find something that fits within them, but also right. like, isn't something that they've said 20 million times before this? It's really, it's hard. It, it is. And, and, um, it's something that I, in some ways I feel lucky that I was as young as I was when I was starting because you don't, I didn't worry about that side of it too much. Mm -hmm. I might, if, if I were starting my career now, you know, um, I'm in my like mid to late thirties now, I'd probably have more pause. I don't know. Writing work for hire comics is a very different creative. It scratches a very different creative itch than building something of your own yeah. from whole cloth. Like you have established characters, established relationships, established mythology, and an established world to iterate stories in when you're working in at DC or Marvel. When you're building something brand new at Image, um, first of all, you own it, Paul, you and your co-creator, or however you want to set up your deal, which I can do 20 minutes on how great that is, by the way. Yeah. Um, in an industry where a whole lot of publishers that say they do creator-owned, they don't. Mm. Um, it's like co-creator owned at best, I would describe it. Okay. Um, but you don't have any business control over your own stuff. Like that's, that sucks. Yeah. So it's, but the, the demands and the challenges are much different. Um, you know, like world building for me is like, it's kind of a tumbler lock where every pin is a different decision you're making and you have to pick all, you have to make the right decisions 
so that all those pins line up so the lock opens, right? And if, right. if one of those choices isn't quite right, you might be able to brute force open that lock, but it's probably not, there, now it's broken, you know? And you might not even realize why it's broken until 10 issues from now. So it, like I said, it's a different set of challenges. More coming up from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody. So hoping these conversations are getting you all fired up to finally start that business you always wanted to launch or maybe take that side hustle to the next level. But maybe you need just a little more inspiration and information to kind of push you over the edge. Well, that's why I want to talk to you about Entrepreneur Insider. Entrepreneur Insider is a program that we have at entrepreneur.com that is geared to do all of that and more. It's a membership-based program that provides insights and advice from industry experts with exclusive benefits. Let me tell you about those benefits. When you join, you get access to premium articles, videos, webinars, really good webinars, I should add. These are not boring, put you to sleep slideshows. These are great experts that have really, really sharp advice that you can listen to and use them like 10 minutes later. It's, it's really good stuff. You also get a weekly newsletter and you get an ad-free experience when you go to entrepreneur.com. Plus, you get a free one-year subscription to Entrepreneur Magazine that paper thing that you could carry around and you never have to plug in to recharge. Really great articles every month, really awesome pictures. And sometimes it's nice to just read something on paper, I have to say, from my personal opinion. So how much does it cost to join Entrepreneur Insider? It's only $5 a month. If you join today, you start boosting your business knowledge growing your brand, you get access to all these great things. And seriously, those webinars, they're really, really good. I heartily recommend you doing it just for that. And also the magazine, really cool stuff. So if you are interested, and I know you are because you could hear the pleading in my voice that this is actually a really cool deal, visit entrepreneur.com slash insider to unlock your access today. That's entrepreneur.com slash insider unlock your access, get going, get fired up, do it today. And we're back. So for those who aren't familiar with Radiant Black, can you explain a little bit about this world that you've built? Yeah, I can go through that. Um, um, it's a book at Image Comics that is um, co-created by myself and Marcelo Costa, uh, who is our, uh, also, you know, he's our, he's, he does all the pictures. I, you know, I just try not to mess it up with the words, right? Uh -huh. Um but uh, it came out of uh, a few, it, well, it, is a, it has been marketed as a superhero series for a new generation. Um, the way I kind of describe it is like, it's, it's very much a millennial series. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a cross, again, in the marketing, they described it as a cross between like Power Rangers and Invincible. Aesthetically, there is a, um, a Japanese tokusatsu influence for sure. Um, and that's not a coincidence. Um, I did three years building out the Power Rangers brand uh, for Boom Studios. So I launched all that and built it out into what became this huge 25th anniversary event called Shattered Grid. Um, as a part of that, I also built, I wrote, produced, and directed this big live action uh, promo trailer for it that was also in universe of the story we were doing for the event. Jason David Frank came back and played Lord Draken in that live action piece that, that we made. 
Um, I helped run this big um, tabletop RPG for Power Rangers that we had a component of our Shattered Grid story in that. And that was on Twitch, a big streaming thing. And then I, you know, uh, went and, and, and played through that with them and then adapted like the video game, uh, wrote the video game and voice directed it based on the Shattered Grid event story and everything. So it, it, it made it, it made sense and also made it exciting when Marvel, actually my editor from when I was 23, when I started, Tom Brevoort reached out to me and asked if I would have any interest in Ultraman. So then doing Ultraman um, really started to create uh, a pattern with retailers where it's like, oh, the guy that did Power Rangers is now doing Ultraman at Marvel. And so when it came time to launch Radiant Black, um, even just building Radiant Black behind the scenes, I was very much looking to lean into that aesthetic um, kind of approach to a new superhero. Um, this book is a, <laughs> it's about becoming a superhero, but only after uh, you chased your dreams and you're in your 30s now and, and chasing your dreams and epically failing at chasing your dreams leaves you uh, emotionally and financially crippled and you have to move back in with your parents. Right. Then he becomes a superhero. <laughs> so the idea of exploring some of these issues that I know I have had, um, my friends have had, um, you know, the first page of this book is the most existentially terrifying image I've ever written. It's yeah. a splash page of his phone and it's his bank account balance and it's $38 in a checking account. No, sorry. $46 in a checking account and $38,000 of credit card debt. And the right. balloon come, the balloon coming off the phones is I'm sorry, Mr. Burnett, but unfortunately your loan application has been denied. <laughs> <laughs> and so look, these, the, 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 the issues of, of our kind of era, exploring those in a superhero series in the way that, you know, original Spider-Man is, is exploring every man yeah. characters and every man problems. We're doing that and using the aesthetics that shaped our generation's childhood as the vehicle to explore some of those deeper kind of societal, uh, you know, issues that were, uh, or challenges right, that right. we are all facing. That that's that's an image we've all, to varying degrees, have all faced. I think so. Oh yeah. Uh, you 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 put me in a cold sweat as you you describe that. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about your um, just you know the the kind of nitty gritty of your actual writing process? I know uh, as you described, we all no matter what we do for a living we. I think most of us wish there was more time we could spend doing the thing instead mm -hmm. of meeting with people about the thing. Right. Uh, so when you are writing, like what's, what's your process like? Do you do it at certain times of day? <laughs> you blast music. What's your, what's your, what's your thing? Well, I do. Um, yeah. Uh, the pandemic is certainly um, for better and for worse kind of um, given me a very kind of uh, rigid schedule that I, that I, or pattern of, 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 uh, writing. Um, you know, I start very early, like I'm up at, well, I also have a cat who thinks he's a dog. You can probably hear him on this. I have, I actually have to lock him in the bedroom. <laughs> um, and like I put on videos of, of, I don't know, videos for cats, Yeah, yeah. but you can still hear them like howling. But, uh, so what I do is I'm up very early, um, usually because of the cat. And, uh, also I work with a lot of foreign artists. 
So I'm usually, I'm usually working by about six thirty seven. Mm. Um, I like to go to a coffee shop near me and I do kind of like the first portion of my morning there. Um, I try to write first thing. I'm, I'm sharpest. I am most clear at that time of the day. Um, and I haven't been inundated with emails yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know, and then from there, it's pretty much kind of, um, I hate to say it, but it is a little bit of moving from fire to fire and whatever's the most kind of whatever's the hottest, like that requires yeah. your immediate attention. Um, but the other part of that and why uh, there's probably so much of that in communication is that, you know, radiant black is very much a kind of, I don't want to say a dream come true because I didn't know that this is what I wanted in this way. Um, for a long time, I resented my comics career, I would say, um, because I felt like I was doing it at the expense of what I truly wanted to do, which was directing. Mm. And in reality, what was happening was I was doing something, writing, that I had only ever done, but had done my whole life, had only ever done so I would have material to shoot. Now, all of a sudden, the most important thing to any piece of storytelling or media or, or anything, the writing portion, I basically spent 10 years working at every yeah. single day. Right. And so now on something like Radiant Black, we are able to take these really, really crazy, weird swings. Like I, I can't even talk about some of the stuff yet, but for example, you know, we just did this issue that takes place entirely inside a black hole. So I thought, well, let's build this for a different kind of experience. And so it all takes place inside a black hole. The powers come from black holes. Um, so we're going to do this entire issue with fluorescent Pantone inks as a true blacklight comic. That type of stuff. And then there's some, we, did, we do these big animated trailers. There, there's some other stuff coming up that I can't quite talk about yet. Yeah. These are all very kind of outside the box things. Yeah. Merchandise through QR codes that's in universe. Our Twitter accounts are in universe for Radiant Black. All of that kind of immersive storytelling is my director brain. Yeah. And it's the post-production background and all this stuff. And the other part of it, because as a director, you are nothing without collaborators. My favorite thing about making comics is the collaboration. I don't know that I would ever have pursued a writing career if it didn't involve artists and other and editors and collaborators in that way. Yeah. There's something about making things that is so important to me. Um, I know a lot of screen, I have a lot of screenwriter friends who make killer money and have never had a movie made and yeah. it drives them crazy. Right. And I feel very fortunate to not have that, you know, problem from a create, from a creative standpoint. Yeah. But what that also means from the collaboration is that I really, really, really love helping people like yeah. other creators. And I just love building things together. So Radiant Black actually has given me this really interesting opportunity. And I started a company as a result of it called Black Market Narrative. And it's a creative collective. Um, you know, I think that our tagline is we build universes, right? Mm. There are a number of writers that I've worked with over the years. I've met either through Power Rangers or just years in comics outside of comics as well. And so, um, we basically started building out books that are, you know, it's a, it's all this image superhero universe, but we're a little bit of a collective. We call kind of call it the massive verse. So there's, you know, there's Rogue Son from Ryan Parrott and Abel. There's 
The Dead Lucky from Melissa Flores and French Carla Magno. There's Infernal Girl Red from Matt Groom, Erica Diorso, um, and a few other things you haven't uh, you haven't seen coming up. So what that means though is like every one of those books is owned by their creative team. Um, I just I just facilitate. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Kyle, it, it sounds like you're a busy man. Um, it's it's really cool how you you approach all this and just thinking in in a lot of different directions. Um, but at the core of it, that that story and the, and the central character and the and the 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 human the human element uh, being at the center. Uh, it's, it's very cool. So uh, so thanks so much for for uh, elucidating. Uh, did I say that word right? Illuminating. Illuminating. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm better with other people's words than my own. I promise. <laughs> uh, illuminating uh, us all on just like how all this stuff comes to be, and uh, such a career, such a cool career you've had, uh, and I can't wait to see what comes next. All those secrets that you can't talk about yet. Oh man, May is going to be so much fun. I'll drop that. I'll drop that here for you. All right. May, there you're here. Uh, May is going to be fun. You heard it here first. All right. Well, Kyle, awesome, awesome talking to you. Oh, thanks so much, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. All right. Go go let your cat out of the uh, out of prison. <laughs> awesome. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>